Join me in celebrating Women's History Month. On March 27th, I'm hosting a special virtual event, For Her, By Her, presented by Fiverr. We'll be spotlighting and interviewing some of the most successful female business owners and their experiences with Fiverr. In the U.S., women are driving growth, and each year that percentage increases. Women-led startups have more than doubled since 2020, and from 2019 to 2023, women-owned businesses' growth rate outpaced the rate of men's in new businesses' employment and revenue. In this panel discussion, you'll hear from top female business owners who have not only started their own companies, but cater to women through their products and services. Don't miss out. Head to bossproject.com slash RSVP and save your seat for this empowering event created by women for women. It's free to attend. I can't wait to see you there. That's bossproject.com slash RSVP. This message is sponsored and brought to you by Fiverr. Hey, everybody. We're so excited today to have Johnny and Joanna on from Letterfolk Co. They are now, hopefully, good friends of ours after our interview. They are amazing, amazing givers of knowledge and awesome business owners. They make adorable felt wooden handmade in the United States letter boards that you can put little like quotes on and move the letters on. And it's what you've probably seen on my personal Instagram account where I document Penelope's monthly milestones. So I can put one month or two month and snap a picture and they're super fun. So we reached out to them on a whim because they have such a beautiful Instagram, such an amazing business that we wanted to pick their brains for you guys because they sell physical product goods. And they said yes. And not surprisingly, they have a ton of amazing nuggets of wisdom to share with you guys. Yeah, over the last year and a half, they've grown like gangbusters, but we dove in on this episode into the specifics about when did they invest in branding? When did they do stock versus custom packaging? Where is their website? What, what platforms do they use? What software do they invest in? How did they hire their first employee? And all the decisions that went into making that and definitely the mindset piece. I think that's probably the most important. They're both so kind, so smart. You're going to learn so much in this episode. I'm excited for you to dive in. Alrighty, guys, we are here with our friends, Johnny and Joanna from Letter Folk. We are so excited to have you guys here. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having us. We're super excited to be here. Super excited. (laughs) Awesome. So we have a lot of product-based businesses and coming from someone who has never sold physical products from both of us, I think this is kind of like the mythical world. And so we're really excited to dive in on some stuff today and hear all about the journey of Letterfolk first to really give people the foundation of where you guys invested, when you invested, and kind of that time frame of your business. Because I think a lot of people get super overwhelmed about the idea of having their ideas and their thoughts in all of these different creative buckets and instead of just having that laser focus. So first, just walk us through the journey of what Letterfolk is, how long have y'all been around, and what did business look like when it started, and what does it look like today? Awesome. Yeah. So a little background on us too. Before Letterfolk, we also had never ventured into the physical product world. We're both liberal arts majors. I studied advertising. I was a copywriter by trade and Joanna was a copy editor. So she took my words and 
Oh, nice that's so pretty. cute. We didn't work together, but still, we like to think like it was meant to be. But anyway, so our background is in words, which is ironic given the product that we came up with. But so we've always like, I've never really been crazy about working for other people. I never thought that I, I or Joanna were necessarily like entrepreneurial by like by birth or anything like that. Like it was in our genes, but like I knew that like, I just didn't, I wasn't responding well to like working for other people. I felt like sometimes I had better ideas and because of bureaucracy or any other thing, it was just frustrating to know that, you know, I couldn't make those decisions. And I think Joanna felt likewise, but she saw that early on in our marriage. And I think- Yeah, I could tell like after being at, like, I didn't know when we were in school, but once we were out of school and Johnny was actually working at jobs, it would only take a few months for him to kind of start to get a little like dissatisfied and start his wheels and start turning of like things that he wished the company he was working at was doing differently or this or that. And, and I think once our daughter, our first daughter was born, we kind of started thinking of the idea of it would be really neat to be able to do our own thing someday, just so Johnny could spend more time at home. And then I think I started to realize that he was never really going to be satisfied working for someone else yeah so and and we'll give you that context just to like we knew we wanted to do something and letter folk just happened to be like that like perfect moment of like here's an idea we've saved up some money for a down payment on a home let's use it to launch our business and anyway so we were in um (laughs) (laughs) that's it that's all it is right but but basically so we were in new york city i was working at a startup again just doing you know marketing and advertising type stuff again i was kind of at my wits end and we so we had our second daughter out there which probably contributed to it because having a kid in new york having two kids in new york we always have like a a life crisis right after a child is born because yeah. I think we're super <laughs> sleep deprived and we're like, whatever we're doing right now, is not working. <laughs> well, we that makes us feel them better. Fast. Like, because I mean, I didn't even have the child and I'm going through life crisis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Three months old at home and I'm like, let's change everything. <laughs> so the condition, yeah, the, the conditions were right. Anyway, we were trying to be good parents. We took, you know, a billion photos of our first child and we wanted to do the same, which hasn't, at all happened with our second one, unfortunately. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Win. So we wanted to do monthly milestone photos, you know, the cute photos that you put your yeah. baby on the ground month one, yeah. month two, month three. And we were like looking at Etsy stuff and it was like, you know, stickers or patches or blocks. And it was just kind of like, whatever. And like, I don't know why I was so passionate about this. Well, this is sort yeah. of embarrassing for me to say like, <laughs> that I was like, well, no, did, these aren't good we enough. We did it with our first and we just had Photoshopped like the number into every photo every month. Yeah. And we wanted to do something more creative. So I, Johnny's kind of like the ideas guy. And so I went to him and was like, help me come up with something more creative for Winnie's photos. And so I remembered those back in elementary school. I'm not that old, only... 31. But anyway, even back then, we used to do our elementary school photos with like the letter boards in front of the class. And it would say, you know, Mrs. Yeah. Howell, third grade. And I was like, oh, that's perfect because, you know, we could change it out. You only have to buy one. It's kind of this retro, like nostalgic thing. So anyway, we we searched the internet, had a really hard time finding anything. We found one, we got a small one, and then we bought a bigger one as well as a sample to like, we thought it might be fun to really like 
play with this and put on the wall too. And we could already like kind of feel it, but we didn't want to like get too excited, but we got the samples and we were like, this is cool. Like this is something we could totally work with. That being said, it wasn't like very high quality. It wasn't made for the home. It was, you know, the frame was kind of like weird. And like, I think we got the big one, we got a wood frame and it was this really thick kind of ugly wood frame and Mm -hmm. the dimensions of the boards we got were kind of weird. Like I think the, I think the board we got for that we found was like an eight and a half by 11 for her photos. And we were like, it's kind of a weird dimension. So we kind of started just thinking about like, if we could design these, what would we want them to look like? And, And we started thinking like, is this something that other people would find interesting? And so we put one on our wall and sure enough, within like the first couple of weeks, we had some friends over and stuff and they were always like, oh, that's such a cool print. Like, where'd you buy that print? And we're like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, that's the coolest part. Wait. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Check this out. We can change out the quote or the saying or whatever it is. And so we got enough like feedback and we're like, you know what? Like this feels like everything in our bones is telling us this is cool. Let's just try it. And so that's when we really started going through the process of finding a manufacturer who could make a bunch of these boards. These boards really like are all, were almost extinct and at that make time them to our like design. Yeah. Make them to our design, make them at scale. So anyway, I spent about a month researching long story short, after all that stuff, after all the research and stuff, we decided to move out of New York city so that we could start our company out of our home in Utah. We took the money that we had saved for a down payment on a home toward our first purchase order of the product we kept it all in our basement and like immediately regretted the purchase. <laughs> yeah, we spent a lot of money. Like, I think we, in order for them to take us seriously, we spent about twenty twenty five thousand. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was That's all rough. sitting in our basement, and we just thought, like, this is the worst We're decision. Like, I'm gonna, we've what ever have made. we done? Boards coming out of my eyeballs. Yeah. Okay, I so you have this yeah. idea. You have this thing. You feel like it's going to be awesome, and then you like make the gut reaction to go ahead and buy twenty five thousand dollars worth of product. So what? <laughs> what did you do? Did you have a website? Did you have branding? Like where were you at at this point? So when we made when we purchased everything, we'd already come up with the name. We'd already come up with the name Letterfolk which was just me and Johnny brainstorming over the course of a few weeks and kind of feeling good about that particular name. And then we had talked to someone to start doing some branding, like coming up with the logo, because we knew that would be important just just to seem like a real company. We wanted to have like a, a logo that wasn't like... Well, and we, these are handcrafted in the US. So we work with a manufacturer, but they still hand make them here in the US. So by nature of it being a U.S. product that's handmade, it's expensive for us to to get the raw materials. And so we knew that in order to sell it at the price point that would make sense for us to make money, it needed to be a premium brand. And so we knew right out the gate, like we have to have like a professional looking logo and like color scheme and just a look and feel that comes off as like, oh yeah, I can trust them with my money and trust them with a lot of money. Cause again, like we're, our products aren't cheap. And yeah, so, right. I love that mentality of truly structuring what you need your brand to look like to match the amount of money that you need coming in to afford to stay in business. Like that's brilliant. 
Well, that's and, like the definition of working backwards, and I love it. <laughs> and really, like we we did that in a lot of way, other ways too. Packaging and and the presentation when someone opens the box, like we want it to be an experience for people. Yeah, as consumers, like you know, we don't spend a lot, but when we do spend, it's usually on like a high quality item and something that we feel like we're going to have for a long time. So it was really easy for us to put ourselves in that kind of position of like, if we were going to spend a hundred dollars on this product, like it better knock our socks off, like when we open it and do those sorts of things. So we spent a lot of time really thinking through, like again, that, that experience of your first interaction with our brand. And then if you buy what that like experience is like opening our, our package. So, yeah. But when we got to Utah, we hadn't figured that out yet. We'd started with the branding and we started with figuring out the name and getting the website. Manufacturing, shipping, all that kind of nitty gritty. Once we got the product, we had to start doing product photography, which we did ourselves just Like we have a DSLR and it happens to be something that I've dabbled in. So we just got one of our kitchen stools, set it up against, set a board on it up against the wall. And those are still the photos on our site. I actually just worked with someone doing some professional photos earlier this week. (laughs) For the first time. Yeah. So, so we did that and then we figured out packaging and we just sat down one night and we were like, okay, like we'd gotten a bunch of samples of boxes and stuff. And we were like, okay, let's make this work. Let's figure out how we want it to be presented to people when they open the box. Let's figure out what box fits best with these boards. And we just ordered a bunch of stuff from Uline. Basically, it was nothing custom at the time. Do you so- have custom packaging now? Yeah. So, and, and with a lot of this stuff too, like, and this is, this is, I think we didn't think about it this way when we started, obviously it's a lot easier to be like, Oh, of course we did it that way. But like, really like thinking about it now, like it was a good, better, best approach. So like, there were a lot of things that like out the gate, we knew we weren't going to be very good at. Like, for example, our packaging, we just had to do the best we could. And that happened to be good. It was good enough to get people aboard. And so with it, with time though, again, when it's, it's an, it's an expensive item, it is fragile to ship and the packaging that we had did not work well. It took us like 10 minutes aboard to ship or to tape up and yeah. everything. The corners were kind of like a little bit exposed. So we had to use like bubble For wrap our largest on the boards, corners. We could do like three an hour. We could package like three it was an hour. The worst. So Johnny and I, I remember like when we had been going for, I don't know how long it was, probably a month or two, but we'd be like, okay, we have 10 orders we have to do tonight. That means we're probably going to be up like four hours. <laughs> oh, And wow. it would already be like 10 o'clock at night. You know, there's a problem when you like don't, when you're like... Regret putting yeah, orders together. When you see an yeah. order and you're like, oh my There's a package. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so we, we, we knew that was something that we needed to approach pretty quickly. So once we realized like, hey, we're selling some boards... It was only a matter of like a month or two before we approached a couple different packaging suppliers and said, hey, we need a box that fits our boards that is cheap to ship at the cheapest possible to ship and we'll keep them protected during during transit. And so we have once you're doing that, we put a like logo on it like it's easy once you're already in the, the realm of talking about getting custom packaging made, it's easy enough to put like a logo on it. So 
we actually got that done pretty quickly. So we moved quickly from like our good enough to a better or best. And that was just out of necessity, really. Yeah. A couple months is really quickly. Yeah. So how so, much did that cut down on time for packaging them up and shipping them out the door? Oh, it was huge. Tons. It was <laughs> so much. And and that's the other thing like that we weren't aware of initially is that some things require a setup cost. Like, for example, to get a custom board made, you have to create a die, which in other words is just like... You mean a custom box. Uh, sorry, a custom yeah. box. They, they need something to base that box off of as they mm-hmm. cut out more boxes right. in the future. That costs like probably like 600 bucks or a thousand bucks, which is, you know, a lot of money to, to not get anything out of it other than being able to make boxes with them. Right. But once we got past that, the cost per box ended up actually being a little bit cheaper than the regular stock packaging that we were getting. That's awesome. And so that's one thing that like we've really come to like, we're like super frugal in our personal lives and with our business. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard for us to make some of those like upfront commitments, right? whether it was like a $25,000 purchase order, but like mm-hmm. for some things you really just kind of need to take the plunge on a setup fee. And then in the end, whether it's by price or time, in which case for this, mm-hmm. it was both. You're going to save a lot in the long run mm-hmm. and have something that's a lot better than what is just available at stock. That's awesome. So talk to us about your audience at this time. So a couple months into doing this and already investing in custom packaging, like obviously there were people buying stuff. So where was your shop hosted? Are you on Etsy? Are you getting traffic through there? Are you on Instagram? What's kind of generating all of these sales? Yeah. So we started on Etsy and Squarespace. So we started our own website from the get-go and that was we that was a pretty intentional decision. We wanted to own our brand and we knew that while Etsy allows you to really, you know, have a brand and and showcase sort of what your brand is made of, should anything happen to Etsy, it's the common cautions of joining any platform that if you put your stuff somewhere else, if something happens to them, you lose all your customers, you lose all your, you know. So we knew we wanted to again be a brand that owned our own sort of presence. So we built a site on Squarespace in conjunction with also having a site on Etsy. And we really used Etsy in the beginning as a marketing tool, much like people use Kickstarter. Like they might be an established business, but they'll still use Kickstarter because it's a ready-made platform with an audience. So we we did both there. And then Joanna can speak to our Instagram, but we were on Instagram and that's really all we were on in the beginning. Yeah, so we, we started an account on Instagram and we kind of like looked at other accounts that we admired and just looked at what time they post, how often they post and like other brands by what is what I mean by other accounts. And, um, yeah, we, we just started posting like two or three times a day and tried to be really consistent about it. And we tried to make sure to have a very specific brand voice and then we also um, immediately started doing some influencer marketing where we would send out emails. We sent them from our personal email because Johnny and I were all about embracing the fact that it's just him and me. We're a small business. We're not going to pretend that we're anything but that. And we would just reach out to people who we really admired their Instagram accounts and we thought that our boards would look nice in their home or they had really great photography and we would offer them a board in exchange for a post. 
And so we kind of started getting the word out that way as well. And luckily, we have a product that people really like taking photos of and like posting on Instagram. So it kind of caught on like wildfire. I think it caught on a lot faster than we expected it to. And it was, I mean, it was like when we came up with the product idea, part of the reason why we felt so confident about it was like, we knew the time was right for this product. Like people love posting quotes. People are looking for, you know, more words on their feeds. And so like we knew, like it was intentional that Instagram was going to be our platform of choice. And it just happened to be that our audience of like, 20 to 40 year old women for the most part were there. But yeah, Instagram was definitely the fire starter to it all. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built in collaboration features. So together you can see your finances, budget and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Today's podcast is sponsored by Squarespace, the only all-in-one website platform we use and recommend to our clients. Squarespace makes it easy to create beautiful websites, engage with your audience, and sell your products and services all in one place. Visit squarespace.com slash boss project to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace has professional website templates with designs for nearly every category and use case. Start with a flexible template, then customize it to fit your unique needs. With Squarespace extensions, you can connect your website to vetted third-party tools to fully customize your website exactly the way you want it. Whether you sell services, products, or digital items, Squarespace has the tools you need for your online store. You can now host your videos on Squarespace and show them on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your videos with member areas. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash boss project to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash boss project. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire. We've had to weed through hundreds of applications in the past. We could have saved so much time if we'd used Indeed. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So what other systems like you have, you have some platforms now. So you have the website and it's working for you. What other systems did you start investing in to get things running more smoothly? We started really doing a better job early on of recognizing opportunity cost. So again, with something like, you know, getting our our boards packaged up and shipped, like there was a cost of that time for us that we weren't like working on marketing or furthering our brand or coming up with new products. And so we were fortunate that like early on, we realized if we want to succeed, we're going to need to like invest in things that make our lives easier and give us more time to focus on the bigger picture. So working on the business, not in the business. And so we, uh, so like, for example, a few things that we invested in ship station. So we needed, obviously, as soon as you get an order, you've got to fulfill it with, you know, labels and and have a place where all those labels are being generated and that sort of thing. So we right out the gate used ship station. It was like a super small cost for and for what it provided, which was a single place where all of our orders from Squarespace and all of our orders from Etsy were being funneled. And then we could press one button and all the labels for the day would print out. That was hugely beneficial. And we did that from the get-go and we're really grateful we did. There were also like like plugins and, and different tools like that that we were willing to make. Again, in the beginning, it's not easy to spend like 10 bucks a month on a plugin or on a service, but it's very easy to say, okay, how much time am I going to save by doing this? And is that going to be worth you know the profit off of selling one board? And in a lot of cases, it, we, you know, the answer was absolutely yes. And so, and then we also just, we, we spent a lot of time like building our own system of like, this is how we package every board. This mm-hmm. is how we respond to certain customer service things. And, you know, keep in mind, it's just me and Joanne at this point, but we read a book, The E-Myth. And the, the main takeaway from the book is like to build your company, whether or not it's ever going to be big or anything, like we have no visions of of Letterfolk ever being a franchise, but the book tells you to build your business like a franchise. In other words, build systems and processes so that you can bring someone in and then that person leaves and the next day you can put someone else in and you lose no you know, real time on training or, or anything like that. The process continues. And so we put a lot of time into just building our own internal systems as well yeah. so that when we finally did hire our first part-time employee, which was... Um, like end of de- December, January of 2016 yeah. last year. So it was about two months in. Yeah. But as soon as we hired that employee, like we kind of knew exactly what they were going to do and we could just wait, turn it over. Wait, 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 wait. This was your first holiday season? Yeah. 
Wait, so wait, no, it was... When, yeah. did, you, when did Letter Folk launch? So, so we Folk... launched in at the end of October 2015. Okay. So, okay. so it was right before the holiday. It was December 2015. Oh, yeah, sorry. Did I say What did you say? I, I, was, I, like, I was like... Where did the, I was like, how did this all happen <laughs> in three months? months. Yeah, no, yeah, it's been about a year and a half. <laughs> okay, I'm feeling a lot better about. <laughs> yeah, so we we made themselves. our we made our first sale November 2015. So that was our first holiday, and then we hired our first employee like January of 2016. So last okay. year. Okay. Yeah. Makes more sense. I, I really hope everyone here is like listening to you guys because I feel like you're taking the words out of our mouths that we have said to our people <laughs> over and over and over again, but it's coming from someone else who's like in the product-based business. I can't tell you how many times like we wish we could just take our product babies and just hug them fiercely of create your systems and work on your business instead of in it every single day. And so I would love for you to kind of like actually spell out the things for the people who are still struggling with that. Like the things that are working, you know, on your business versus in your business, what does that look like? If you're able to take your time and not spend it in ship station and not spend it fulfilling labels and saving time packaging, what are you doing instead? Yeah. Well, a good example is just last night, for instance, Johnny and I sat down and we just kind of went over what we're so we made a 2017 plan for letter folk at the beginning of the year. And we sat down last night and spent probably like three hours just talking about how we're doing with that three months into the year and talked through like other products that we'll be coming out with our like product roadmap, Instagram and how we're doing with like the, our the, brand voice on there. And, and with that stuff, it's like the bigger picture, right? It's like, how yeah. are, how is our community like, are people feeling like they're part of a community? Are they, are we doing campaigns that like bring other people who aren't familiar with our, with our brand into the picture? So, and, and all that being said, like, so like we did that last night and we've really only been really a lot better at it the last like six months. So we were caught up in a lot of the like yeah. working in the business, but you kind of have to be in the beginning and you, and you have to do both in the beginning, a lot of both. Yes. And you don't sleep a lot. Like Johnny and I, <laughs> for probably three months, we were averaging probably three or four hours of sleep. And then with two kids, no big deal. Yeah, we were, we were, I mean, I can't even count how many like appointments I missed during that time where I'd just be like, Oh shoot. Like, and I probably, I probably made so many people bugged at me during that time because <laughs> like I would have a play date planned or something and just totally space it because we were just so sleep deprived and just working nonstop. But like you kind of have to in the beginning. And, yeah. and and that's why like in order to step away from some of that nitty gritty stuff, you have to get into the nitty gritty, right? Like you have to like, yes. I, you know, we spent like two or three months like perfecting our packaging process and figuring out like we need better boxes. We need this. We need that. And then we were like, we felt confident that we had the system in place to hire a part-time person. So fine. So once that happened, we were removed from that duty. But that still meant that I was driving to the to the to the post office every single day, like right when it was closing almost every single day. And anyway, that was just a mess. But like so but like I but I was still doing that. So then 
like we gradually were able to get into a position where we had our own warehouse and we were getting daily pickups from USPS. So that piece was removed. So it's a, it's a process and like it takes time, but, but it's that vision of knowing like, okay, right now me driving to the post office every day is good enough in order for our customer to get their package like quickly, but this isn't going to last forever. And if, if we're going to be successful, we've got to know that this is temporary and just to have the vision of like, of basically keeping a, a constant checklist of these are the things that we need to either systematize or outsource so that we can focus on coming out with new products, coming out with, you know, like, like letter folk, like part of the reason why we still just sell letter boards, besides the fact that like, it would be stupid for us to, it's successful. So why would we focus on much else anyway? But like, part of the reason why is because we've just been so like in the details, but like, we don't want to be a letterboard company forever. Like we want to be more than that, Yeah. but it's only really within the last six months that we've been able to say like, okay, so what is it? Like, what are we going to do? And it's because we've been able to remove ourselves from so many of those in the business processes. So if someone's to the point where they're finally coming up for air, which I feel like does take a year. I feel like nine months to a year is really kind of where it happens for a lot of people, regardless if you're in services or products. That's just where you kind of start to figure out your day and how things work. How did you know where to hire first? What was the things you were looking for? What should people be analyzing to figure out who they should be looking at? So our very first hire was just to help us with actually packaging our products. That was the biggest time suck for us. And it was something that we felt like we didn't need like a specialized person to do. So we felt like we could afford to have someone come and help us. And they just, we had two different women who actually live in our neighborhood who came part-time. One would come in the mornings and one would come in the afternoons and they would go down to our basement and just package and that really helped free up some time for Johnny and me. And then I think the second thing was customer service, customer service. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and basically, you know, obviously that's what worked for us. Those were the, the, the criteria was really like, what are the things that require a lot of our time right now that we don't like doing and are preventing us from doing the more important things. And so mm-hmm. by far it was fulfillment and responding to customer service emails. And those two things happen to be things that were easy to systematize. So like, by the, so I hired, we hired my sister to help with customer service emails. And by that point, I had already had, I'd already put together probably 30 to 40 canned responses for her to use, right? So it wasn't even like she had to come up with things to say. It was in our brand voice. It was our policies all ready to go. And she just needed to press a button to send the can response off. Right. But it's really just, yeah, taking a step back, looking at your business and saying like, okay, what do I not like doing? What do I like doing? And what could someone else do? Like, where am I not essential? You know, Mm -hmm. because you are essential. There are some things that literally only you can do. And those are the things you need to be spending your time on. The things that other people can do, that's where you start finding ways to outsource those things. Yeah. Yeah. So how much time did you have to, so I know you had the processes and you had the workflows built up, but when you were bringing this person on 
Is it just like that day and you've got them set up and they were good to go? Or how are you still managing that person to make sure that everything's like quality checked and good to go and, and going out like you want it to? Yeah, we're, it was a it was, we're super, uh, <laughs> we are, any of our, any of our awesome fulfillment employees would be the first to tell you that like, we're super picky and we're super like hands-on and we've done a better job with our, as of the last like six to nine months. But yeah, for the first week we would work alongside her shoulder to shoulder, make sure she understood the, the areas that are particularly difficult or like hey, we've noticed as we've been doing it that like, you know, if you get a little bit too much like air in the bubble bag, it makes it so that the box doesn't sit flat. So let's do it, you know, just make sure, like give her a list of things to be mindful I mean, of. Just to give you an idea of how specific Johnny is with things, <laughs> he had exact taping methods. Oh, that, yeah. Yes. How people tape boxes and we still do those in our warehouse. To this day. And we As just, we I think just over Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I will agree to disagree. No, but even at Christmas. Yeah. yeah, even at Christmas, we went over it again. So like three months ago, yeah. we still like, yeah. we went back over it. So now my, my brother runs our, our warehouse and fulfillment operation full time. And we have like eight amazing part-time fulfillment folks that help us out. And, you know, Will puts them kind of through the training process. We have them go through stations. But yeah, it's a process. Like, I mean, even, yeah, even despite all the time I spent either creating the canned responses or creating the system of how to package, like, you know, there's still some time that needs to go into setting up an employee for success and checking on it as you go. Yeah. And not being afraid to correct. Like, I'll be the first to say that like the first couple times that I had to correct someone, I felt really, really awkward. And yeah. I was like dreading it. And I'd have to like pump myself up in my mind. Like before <laughs> I like walked over and just said, Hey, like, I noticed you're doing this. And I think it would actually be better if we, you know, tried to do it this way. And it, it always go, it goes really well. Like, but it's, you know, when you have never been in a position of correcting a person in a job environment, it's it's new. But it's worth doing because it keeps the uh, quality yep. Consistent. in line. Yep. Yeah, I like it. So talk to us about one thing we haven't really touched on yet in this journey. And, and give us the time frame, if you don't mind. When were you able to... Quit a full-time gig if you had it. Have you always been full-time at Letterfolk? Like, what did that look like? And when did you know that you were ready to transition? Yeah, so Joanna was, you weren't working. Yeah, so Joanna well, I was, think I was doing some freelance, maybe. A little bit of freelance, but obviously just taking care of our kids and doing an awesome job with that. I came back, when we moved back to Utah, like, we were like, okay, this is it. Like, we're making a move. Like, we're, this is a fresh start. Like, let's attack this business 100% feeling like super ambitious. And as soon as we got here within like a week, we like looked at our bank account and we were like, cool. So maybe I'll start looking for some like consulting work. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and it was like, had I not done that, we would have been fine. Like knowing now what we, what we know, but like, you know, like I'm, I'll be the first to like, you know, having listened to a lot of podcasts where it's like, yeah, you've just got to make the jump. I'm totally not that way. And I would never give someone that advice. Like, do it when you feel comfortable. Don't wait too long. 
but like do it once you feel yeah. like you have enough income or enough of a runway in your savings. It took a lot of stress off of letter folk for us to be, ha- us to have like an income coming in from Johnny. I just where like, it was like, you know, we don't have to rely on letter folk to make ends meet each month. And I think it, I think it like made letter folk better because it wasn't like do or die. And so like, I know that you could argue the reverse, like, well, if everything's in like, if everything's on the line with letter folk, but like, because we weren't operating out of fear, yeah. we were doing a lot of stuff because we wanted to, and because it was fun and it was like our side hustle. But I, so I was consulting and I consulted and then <laughs> I accepted a full-time position like the day before Black Friday. Um, so like I had, again, like we, and in Black Friday, like by no means in our first year was like gangbusters or anything, but like it, it was like, oh my gosh. Like we did, I think we did like I mean, 80 like, sales maybe, yeah, like which was like crazy for us. And it's yeah. still, I mean, it's still crazy, but it's like, so like I accepted the position the day before that happened. And I was like, oh, shoot, like, I hope I'm not going to regret that. But I was like, but you know what? It was Black Friday. We did a sale, whatever. This will be fine. So I worked full time, though. Luckily, my full time. Yeah, my employer was really. Yeah, you were getting paid for full time work, but you were only going into the office one day a week. So you were able to do. Yeah. So I well, a lot of at home. That's the life. But but I but that was like part of my negotiation. Yeah. Like I knew sure. that letter folk was what I wanted to do. I didn't necessarily tip my hat at that. I, I said more like, you know, I want to have, I want to be able to spend time with my family, spend more time at home. So I didn't necessarily like tell them like, you look, my interest and my focus is going to be divided because it really wasn't like when I was working for them, I would work for them. When I was working for us, I'd work for us and just meant that I was, you know, working 70, yeah. 80 hour weeks and dividing my time. But I think what Johnny heard from me the most last year was just like, you've got to stop. You've got to stop doing that. Like (laughs) it's hurting our business. Like you cannot keep juggling two different focuses. Like identities. Yeah. yeah. Work. So finally in December of 2016, so just like three months ago, he finally cut ties completely. That's it? That's how long it took? Yeah. And, and, I mean, it was Show like, I, I, <laughs> I'm just glad it happened. I didn't think it was going to, but we, we had talked, like I was on board with quitting probably in June and for, for a number of reasons, yeah. I just felt for better like about six months. I kept hearing like, it's going to happen next month. It's going to happen next month. <laughs> so I was under no like impression that I was going to be able to like keep it up forever, but for, partly out of obligation to like my employer and wanting to do right by them. And also just like you get, you get comfortable like it letter folks still didn't feel like this like big risk because we were still getting health insurance from an employer you know like i was still getting a a a weekly paycheck despite the fact that at this point letter folk was was making a lot more than my full-time job but it was still like holding on to like whatever i could of like a shred of like yeah security and normalcy like because what we do now there's nothing normal about it yeah, no. I, we've said it before. Like, honestly, what we do, it's literally more secure than working for someone else. Absolutely. And yet we convince we convince ourselves that for whatever reason, because they give us health benefits or they pay like 2% towards retirement or whatever, that all of a sudden they're 
this higher power that can control our lives and they don't have to. And we convince them. I don't know. I had to go on a rant for a really long time about it, but basically it is, it has been so freeing to be off on our own. And I'm so glad you quit Johnny. And I I think, I think letter folk is going to do even bigger things (laughs) apparently since you've had your attention divided you can say it wasn't but no it was yeah no it was for sure (laughs) and you're spot on too i think like i so i I, like probably like four years ago i was laid off from a job that i thought was totally secure and that was like the moment when i was like and that's actually what started when our first daughter was born actually that was when we decided we've got to like We've got to figure something out where I'm not dependent on someone else, A, telling me how much I'm worth, and B, telling me when I can and can't take work off. <laughs> that, for whatever reason, yes. that idea, like, oh. That like, is, I know. That's the thing we're trying to free from my husband's work life because it's still one of, like, amazing benefits, all of the things. But I'm like, but you can't just, like, not go to work tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I want you to not go to work. And that just is not a, that's not our life right now. So now yes, we can yeah. choose when to not work, which is never. But at least we have the choice. Well, <laughs> yes. Yes. That's awesome, you guys. Well, I would love to head into our Talk Strategy to Me segment. And I think they've heard a lot of the journey and a lot of the milestones that y'all reached. And and I think instead of like specific action steps, I would love for you really to touch on the mindsets and the thought processes that y'all had to go through to either leave the full-time job, hire the employees, let go of some responsibilities or invest in different solutions. And what are some advice that you can give people who are maybe stressing out about those things? Well, every single time we reached those crossroads, we definitely stressed out. And it, it felt like this insurmountable next step that we just weren't ready for. But I think what made us finally take that next step in hiring an employee or moving things out of our basement into a warehouse, like both of those things felt so risky. But we realized we really wouldn't be able to grow if we didn't do them. And and we wanted to grow. We wanted to keep growing. And so it kind of, it was like, all right, well, we either stay where we are and we stay stagnant or we take this risk and and our company grows. And so I, and that's like speaking to my heart right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's like what we, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, and every single time it's been, we've been like, oh, why didn't we do this earlier? Like every single time, like moving our um, stuff out of our basement into a warehouse was like the best thing we've ever done. We were just, it felt so risky to be paying rent on another building. And, but it it was like, it was the best thing for growing for sure. So yeah, it, it is like, I totally, I can totally relate with, with that feeling of like not wanting to take that next step because it feels it just feels really risky and it feels insurmountable. Yeah. I think I think another thing too, and, and Joanna touched on this a little bit, as far as just kind of being like an overriding, like at least what we what how we feel is an overriding like belief in in, in launching a small business is to be a hundred percent like to what to what degree you can be transparent about who you are and what you're doing. So like we've you know, Joanna mentioned like 
we weren't going to pretend to be something that we weren't like that we were this bigger business and we had all these employees in this corporate office and a corporate email. You know, in the beginning, we sent emails from our personal emails deliberately because we wanted people to know like, hey, this is a product that we came up with. We would love it if you liked it too. And instead of it's feeling, you know, like sent from a PR rep or sent from a, an account exec at the company, like don't put any errors on about who you are. Like, and, and really what we've found is giving people a peek behind the curtain, I think is one of the reasons why we've done, why we've had some success is because people enjoy hearing about, you know, another couple or another woman or, or someone else who who started a business and who's trying to do it and is being successful or is giving you a peek at the things that aren't easy. We've found that like a lot of people enjoy following our story now just purely because like we're giving insights, but also on our end, it helps because when we get nasty emails from people, odds like we very rarely get nasty emails from people because they understand that we're people and that we're trying our best to like do something that we have no like background or reason to be successful in. And so I think that's something like just humanize, you know, humanize your business. Don't be afraid of like putting a face and a name and a personality. Use Instagram stories to give people a heartbeat behind, you know, this, this logo basically. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you guys for coming on the show. I would love for you to tell everyone where they can find you and hang out with you online. Uh, well, we're letterfolk.com and on Instagram, we're at letterfolk. And awesome. if you need to email, if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us an email at hey at letterfolk.com. And you can see one of their boards probably pop up on my personal Instagram because that's exactly why I bought a board is to share the monthly milestones of my daughter. Awesome. So that's you can awesome. see that over on our Instagram. Thank you guys so much. It was awesome hanging out with you guys today. Thanks so much. Thanks.